Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello and welcome to episode four of the podcast, which is made especially for people who work in commercial real estate. If you want to achieve success more quickly and become a leader in your part of the industry, the insights we share here can help you get there. Today, I'm speaking to Ashley Buller. Ash is the head of office leasing at CBRE in Victoria. Ash jumped ship from JLL to CBRE, a move that I've made before, in early 2020, causing a shift in the dynamics of the Melbourne CBD office leasing market. In today's interview, you're going to hear how Ash shifted from specialising in city fringe warehouses to focusing on shiny office buildings in the heart of the CBD, how he prepared for an increase in responsibility, and you'll learn why being consistent in your dealings with colleagues and taking an interest in people from outside your department is critical for your own success. This podcast is about people who work in commercial real estate. If you have insights to share about how to be more successful in our industry, similar to what our guests share, or perhaps you can think of someone who would be great to hear from on this topic, we are open to recommendations for new guests. Just send me an email, darren at cresuccess.co to pitch a new guest idea for a future episode. Stick around. This week's interview starts in 30 seconds. Unispace doesn't just design workplaces. They create places for businesses to do their best and most productive work. Not only that, their global experts in strategy, design and delivery are all in-house, allowing for ongoing internal collaboration. So there's no chance critical information can fall through the gaps. This means less cost overruns, fewer time delays and less supply chain issues, meaning you can be settled into your new space fast. Visit unispace.com and get in touch with their team. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Ashley, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Thanks. Well, the first thing we do at the start of each episode is we ask our guests to get into the virtual elevator and to give us their 30 second introduction. So Ashley, who are you? Great. Okay. So Ashley Bullitt. So I head up leasing for CBRE. I've been in the industry now for 20 years, roughly a bit more than 20 years. Um, so started off with a, uh, a small suburban firm, then moved to JLL. There for about 16 years, and I've now been at CBRE for about eight or nine weeks, so pretty new into the role. So, how big is the team that you're leading at CBRE? So, the team's 12 people in Melbourne, so we've got a team that kind of covers all areas, so from the suburban market all the way into kind of Richmond and Kilda Road, etc., and then CBD as well. So, pretty much anything to do within the, uh, the, the Victorian leasing market, we cover. Okay, and you're focused on office. Correct. So my personal focus is, is um, yes, is CBD office, but our team just focuses on office, just office leasing. So how did you mm. actually get started in commercial real estate? Initially, I actually started off doing property management. So I did property management for quite some time, kind of cut my teeth on that. And then at a particular point, rolled into sales and leasing. And at what point did you know that you wanted to be in commercial real estate? Was it something that you fell into or was there someone in your family that had done that in the past? Or how, how did you actually decide to get into it? My father was a property developer. He did quite a lot of projects around the place. So I was always going off to those projects, et cetera. And prior to that, he was actually a residential real estate agent. So kind of learn a lot about those items. I think he'd always kind of highlighted to me that 
working weekends as in doing open for inspections and so forth was was fine but you know certainly he'd always seen his commercial colleague kind of playing playing that um you know the 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 i want to say nine to five it was never nine to five right but that kind of normal working week and then maybe having having that weekend you, you're still working you don't have those fixed kind of appointments so he'd always suggested that was the that was the space to get into if i was going to get into property Definitely one of the perks of working in commercial real estate compared to residential real estate is not having to work on the weekend. And I guess an extra perk is the weekend starts at about 11.45 on a Friday. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, nice nice comment there. So, look, I suppose the reality is, right, like that um, the nice thing about commercial property is, yeah, look, it, it's certainly a, it's certainly that ongoing relationship game that you spend a long time doing. And, and no matter what area of commercial property you're in, and I think certainly in leasing, et cetera, it's, it's probably one of those things that you, you, you build a relationship for a long period of time. So you do, you end up kind of, you're talking to somebody so much, you're kind of like, oh, well, it'd be nice on a Friday just to have actually a casual drink with you. So you're right, maybe not 11 a.m., but, um, but you know, maybe one o'clock for a, for a um, lunch and a, and a drink is, you know, it's just a nice way to finish off the week. So, Ashley, when I met you uh, many years ago at JLL in 2005, you were focusing on the Port Melbourne industrial or high-tech industrial market. And now you're in the glamour of prime CBD office buildings, which is a bit of a jump. So tell me how you manoeuvred that change. Yeah, so that was an interesting one. Look, our team went through quite a lot of changes um, in that industrial space. Um, And I suppose, look, I'd, I'd probably... You know, I've been doing a lot of warehouse and office type uses um, within that within that kind of um, you know in a Port Melbourne pocket, and like you say, it was becoming more high tech. So some of the deals I were doing were, were, were becoming more predominant for office than they were warehouse. And then I suppose what I what I looked at is looking at kind of the office leasing um, team and what they were doing and some of the high profile projects they were, they were working on. And it kind of it always interests me and kind of. I, I probably more have a bit of a bent towards the institutional clients as opposed to the private. Well, I, well, I work well across both. I probably, um, there were some positives I liked about the institutional space in more the, the um, you know, the depth of analytical work that you get to do for them. So that's kind of, it was always something that was of interest to me. And then, um, and then one of the guys approached me in the team and suggested that um, there was an opportunity and that, you know, I should have a chat to them. And it pretty much all, all rolled from there. I was certainly within JLL. I was um, always making sure to, you know, I was talking to all the different business departments, et cetera. And I felt like I had a very good network in there. So um, not that I was working internally at the space. It was just that, you know, I was, I was comfortable with the business generally. So I felt like there were probably different areas I could step into if, if I chose to, if I didn't want to stay in that, in that same location or the same space. So one of the strategies for our listeners who are looking for career advancement and other career opportunities is to make sure you have a great network within the firms that you work in. Yeah, correct. And I think going that extra mile for people as well. So, you know, because there's, there's people that you know within firms that um, they'll say hello, but they don't even know who your name is. Or they'll, they'll know you when they need to know you and then they drop you pretty quickly. Um, and I suppose what's important, and, I, and I'm not um, suggesting that I'm perfect with everyone, but, but I think that um, I've tried to keep relatively consistent with everyone and, and be friendly with everyone. And, and I do honestly take interest in everybody's business. I actually, I really want to know what's going on in industrial. I really care about what's going on in sales. And, and I think those, those aspects kind of come through and I think that that's important. But it's a little one percenters, right? It's, it's the same throughout real estate. But, you know, like going to the company events, making sure you introduce yourself to people, you know, going up to the, whoever that might be, the head of property management who has really no reason to talk to you, but going over and saying hello and say, look, let's have a chat, chat about your business. I think that those things are so important because it's really easy, especially when you start out in property, to kind of fall in your own little insular type bubble, whatever that space is, and not branch out. 
Um, whereas I think where people do really well is when they do, they talk to everybody, they get to know everybody's business and figure out how they can work with other people, how they can help other people. And I'm sure that genuine curiosity in other people not only helps with colleagues, but also with clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and it's, look, and that's probably one of my, one of my things. Actually, I really love, I love knowing about business. I love knowing what entrepreneurial people are doing or how businesses work or how they're making money or what their angle is. That stuff really interests me. So it's actually with, you know, it's genuine interest when I, when I ask questions, really love, love all that stuff. Awesome. So tell me about your, your current role. You said you've been there for eight or nine weeks at CBRE. Mm-hmm. Tell me a bit more about how everything's going. Yeah. So a um, bit of a baptism of fire, right? So I've been in there for, yeah, eight or nine weeks. It started off, I, have, I probably had about five weeks on the ground in the office, um, during which time I spent, well, actually up until about last week, I spent the entire time just pitching on new products. So we've had a lot of new product that we've been pitching on, which is fantastic. It's kind of exactly what you want. Um, but what that meant was that while not only was I trying to get to learn the, you know, the, get to know the team a bit better, learn all the systems, as well as the entire business, as well as our national and international colleagues, we've had all these pitches going on. So it's been, it's been pretty extreme. Then, then add to that COVID, you know, who, who would have ever thought? So I've gone from, you know, I've gone from going in there with a massive mandate to kind of expand the business, grow the business, who are we talking to, to pretty much right, you know, everything's on pause. Um, and so that's, that's been, it's been an interesting challenge that, you know, I suppose worldwide everybody's facing. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to do the best we can in, in the current environment. And was a leadership role something that you'd been aspiring to for a while? Yeah, the leadership role is an interesting one. Look, from my my personality type is probably I'm not a highly dominant personality. So the the role of running a team has always been something that I've probably been interested in, but I haven't been pushing, pushing, pushing to do that. I must say, what I, fe- and, I, and, I and it's probably a little bit because I just assumed that to be the you know to be the head of a big business that you needed to have a really aggressive kind of maybe not aggressive is the wrong term maybe a very um definitive focused plan on how things are going to get done and what's going to happen and you know almost like that's um domineering style of, of doing things and that's that's not really me and maybe that's why it you know while it was of interest to me i just wasn't sure whether it was going to be me whereas what i've learned coming into this role is actually and look, I'm sure my colleagues, you know, they, they can confirm or deny this. I feel like I'm kind of rolling into it pretty well. I'm, my approach is more of a collaborative approach. My approach is more like, I feel like I'm more of a, a coach more than anything, rather than telling people what to do. I'm tr- more working with them, coaching them, helping them as much as I can, and then being there beside them. You know, my thing has always been that I want to be um, a leader in the business that's actually up the front, you know what I mean? So when the battle starts, I'm the first one out to battle. So rather than telling people to do it, I want to be out there with them. So, um, yes, that was probably a long answer to it, but I feel like it's, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with it and more comfortable with guys kind of my style now, which yep. I wasn't hundred percent sure on before coming into this. Well, it sounds like you've got a good level of self-awareness, which I think is important when you step into a role like that. So given you understand the way that you like to approach things and your personality type, what are some of the things that you did specifically to prepare for stepping into the leadership role? Yeah, good question. So um, I did a lot of lot of work on this. Now it's funny, right? You spend all this time preparing for something like this. And, and I think that all of that really, really helps you. But when you come into the role, everything seems to be thrown, thrown at the door and you just kind of, you're dealing with everything that's before you. Now you hope that the training that you've done by that point, you then, maybe you kind of, um, you leverage those skills that you've been honing that you hadn't really realized that you'd learned. Um, 
once you get a long answer to it. So, but I, I read books like the first 90 days, which is actually a really good book. So not only did I, 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 um, I listened to it on a, uh, on an audio book, then I actually bought the physical book. And then I went through that book multiple times and kind of learned, um, the different styles and techniques. Now, am I deploying them? Maybe to be honest, I've been so busy. I actually haven't had time to even go back to the book. I wish I had. Um, but it's just been just an absolutely frantic time over the last nine weeks. I think I will. I took a lot of notes before coming over. Um, and then I read a book as well called um, Legacy, um, which is about the All Blacks, uh, which I also thought was a really good book as well. And that, that talks about, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, and the whole concept around that book is you know, creating this lasting legacy. So it's more than just the doing the deal and so forth. It's about creating a, creating a culture, creating more than, more than yourself, the, the team. And, you know, one thing they talk about in there is kind of sweeping out the sheds at the end of the day, right? So, you know, um, the way the book reads, and I haven't actually checked it out factually, is, you know, that some of the best all-black players, they're the ones at the end of the day when everybody else is having a drink or whatever they might be doing at the end of their, their match, they're the ones sweeping out the sheds just making sure that everything's clean. So it kind of shows that no matter where you sit in the business, you're never above kind of putting in the hard yards and making sure you're there for everyone. I have read um, The First 90 Days. It's a great book. I've heard of Legacy. I haven't read it. But that anecdote you just gave reminds me of a managing director who I know you know, who used to be a leasing agent. And I was in the elevator with him once and there was some rubbish on the floor and he picked it up and he looked at me and he said, the old leasing agent in me means that I have to make sure that this elevator is clean. Mm -hmm. And I think it was great that, you know, even he was running the state, but it wasn't above him to do those, those things that are important in the team and that every part of the Every part of the job is important. Mm. Yep, agreed. So you've prepared for the role, but then coronavirus comes along. So how much of the preparation that you put in was actually not able to be implemented because you've had this huge curveball thrown at you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be honest, probably most of it. Most of it. So I've probably got pages and pages. I've got probably got a, and I've got a book of notes, and then um, you know choreographed how things are going to lay out and how it was all going to roll everything and and yeah most of it just got thrown out the window because um uh you know just because of COVID and 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 the challenges that that's presented and the, and the challenges as well around kind of you know being there with team members and kind of building that natural rapport and you know going out for a drink after work and those kind of those face-to-face interactions that have such a massive impact on how a team works together right um so so yeah it's actually it's actually made it quite challenging the flip side to that is what i would say that COVID brings around is um, and I'm sure you're, you've done it as well, Darren, like these Zoom calls, I'm, I'm, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of Zoom calls um, and absolutely like a, a ridiculous amount of Zoom calls. But the nice thing about the Zoom calls is that everybody's on the line, everybody's active and everybody's quite engaged. So where maybe in a meeting people can almost get away with maybe not being engaged to a certain degree, I feel like on a Zoom call you're seeing everybody's faces. So you're actually constantly looking at everybody all the time. So I feel like it is quite an engaging environment. And I think as well, our staff engagement has gone up massively because people are at home and not only is it about kind of business, but it's also just making sure that the mental health of everybody is there as well. Cause it's a tough time. Like being at home all the time is, is challenging, especially those people that have got kids and the rest of it. So there's kind of been pros and cons to this, this type of environment. And I think as well, look, you know, there's obviously been, um, you know, within the market, there's obviously a lot of people that, that, you know, um, you know redundancies and those kind of things are, are, are coming through and and everybody knows somebody that's that's unfortunately lost their job or whatever that might be and that's that's a really scary time for anyone so i think that all of my reason why 
I think as a team, um, the Zoom call is quite good. We're constantly together and then we're sharing ideas and it's almost like we're in it together and it maybe comes back to that piece I mentioned earlier, right? Like we're all in the war together. So that's probably one thing that COVID's brought about, you know, so no matter where you sit right now, no matter how well you're doing, you're probably still somewhat, everybody's vulnerable right now because we don't know how long it'll go for or what it is. So it's kind of, it's, you know, so there's positives from that point of view that as a team, we're all, we're all battling the same, same battle. I think pre-coronavirus, people used to get on video calls but not turn their videos on. I think post-COVID-19, one uh, good thing out of this is that people will always have their videos on for video conference calls. So we'll always be able to see each other and have more engagement even when mm. we're not in the same room. True, true. In saying that, one thing I would say is I do think video calls can somewhat be um, inefficient depending on how many people you've got in there because I, you know, I've certainly noticed that most people that are on a Zoom call, um, a video call, want to then add something to it. And if everybody adds that one little bit, <laughs> your Zoom calls can blow up pretty quickly. So um, having a good agenda, I think, is a pretty crucial element that I think most people are coming, coming back to now. Very good tactical tip, have an agenda at a, at a time limit for meetings, of course. Correct, yeah. So what's your favourite thing about working in commercial real estate, actually? I love the transaction. Um, my thing's always been about transactions. I love... And it probably comes back to that kind of entrepreneurial kind of intrigue that I've got, you know, seeing how things work and how they're doing it and what they're doing. I feel like the deal's along the same lines, trying to figure out how to get a deal to stack up, what the drivers are, what's going to make that work for that particular client. I do love that aspect. And then I suppose as well, obviously, the, the people element as well. So to a certain degree, office leasing is a little bit like jumping into a marriage, right? Like some of these appointments you're on for a long, long time. Like we just had an agency agreement come through today and it's for three years. And you kind of think about that, right? Like I will likely talk to that person every day or every two days for three years. So it's a pretty, that's a pretty full on thing. So, um, but I actually kind of love that aspect of it because you get to know people, you get to work together and, and it's that piece of kind of having a big challenge working together to kind of conclude you know, a favorable outcome for everyone. So um, yeah, so it's, it's probably those two elements. Just to clarify, Ashley, how long have you been married for? Um, good question. I've got no idea. I'd say like 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if a 12 year appointment ever comes along from a, from a landlord, that would be, that would be a marriage worth having. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Valid point. Valid point. Mm. So what's the hardest part then of being a leasing agent? I think the hardest parts, you know, certainly rejection is hard, right? You know, putting your, putting your heart and soul into a pitch um, and losing it. That's, that's really hard. And Does it get easier? And, as, you, as you've gone on in your career, does it get easier or how? Yeah, I think it does. But I actually think those people, I think, I think it does get easier, but I think the good people, it still hurts them. I think once you become immune to it, then you probably lose your edge. You know, like mm. I like the fact that I feel sick over the weekend after I lose something, right? Because it kind of means that I care about it. It means that I really, I really want it. And that I need to learn from it as well. So I kind of use it as motivation for the next one. You know what I mean? I don't want to feel sick like that again. I want to win that next gig. But in saying that, you're right. You get you know, you, you're pitching a lot more product, you kind of, you win a lot, you lose a lot and, and it kind of, it is what it is. So yeah, it probably gets, it gets slightly easier. Uh, but there's, it's, it's never, it's never easy when you, you know, you throw everything into it and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's the relationship. Sometimes it's the strategy. Sometimes it's not even what do it, what you're doing here. Like it might be something that's happening interstate or somewhere else within the business. So there's all these kind of contributing factors with those things. So, yeah. So I think that that's, that's certainly challenging. I think, like no one really loves canvas calling. Um, I actually don't don't mind it because I, I kind of um, I probably like the challenge around it, um, and I like the routine. I think once you get your routine sorted and you're rolling, that's 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 all right. But you know, I think a lot of people find that a difficult thing. 
Let's just touch on, on cold calling for a second. You know, in recent years, people are less likely to call each other because they text. So do you feel like it's more of an imposition when you actually call people on their mobile today than perhaps it was five years ago? No, I actually think, I, I actually think that that's where, I think that's where a lot of people have gone wrong. I, I would always call somebody. Um, even, even over email as well. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't even think email's got the, um, uh, has, its, has the effectiveness that it had in the past. There's nothing, like, first of all, I'd, I'd love to meet them in person because um, just seeing people's body language, what they're doing, there's so much that you can read from that. And second best is obviously phone calls. And you can still, you can learn so much from phone calls and you can kind of throw out the probing questions, et cetera. I'd always prefer that. I just feel like emails and especially now that, you know, we're getting so many emails and so many texts and so many LinkedIn things, et cetera. I just think that people are flooded with it. And personally, from my point of view, I, if I can circumvent dealing with an email or a, or a, um, you know, a LinkedIn inquiry or whatever that might be as in from, you know, from a non um, property related activity, I probably will just because I feel like I'm bombarded constantly with it. Mm. So that's where I think there's nothing as good as, as that, face-to-face or phone call um, interaction. Okay, let's talk about success now. And what are some things that you deliberately and consistently do that contributes to your own success? Mm. It's a good question, actually. I was thinking about this the other day, and and I always ask this of other people as well because I love seeing how people have done what they've done and how they got to where they are. I remember talking to one of the guys overseas who ended up becoming a very, uh, very very important person within, within a business kind of, you know, a, a big global player. And, um, and one of the things he always did was, it's, you know, it's, it's one percenters, but it's the things like having a to-do list and getting through it. So you set up your to-do list, you start in the morning and you do the hardest things first. And I think that there's, there's something so important about that because I think what happens is that, you know, a to-do list is good, but I think what we end up doing is we put all those simple things in there and it's really easy to tick off the simple things and then leave the hard ones and then you just keep transferring them from page to page. Tackling those hard things, that's the most important thing and that's where you're going to get the most value out of. So I think lifting those to the top and kind of tackling them. And for me as well, I'm a morning person. So if I've got a lot to do, I'll get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes earlier. You know, not dissimilar to when I was studying at school. I'd get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and study from 2 a.m. until, you know, 10 a.m. because that was my time. That's when I was brightest or, you know, um, sparking the most. So I feel like yeah, that's, that's for me. I think it's, I think it's having the to-do list. I think it's bringing the, the hard things to the front and doing those. And then I think it's those one percenters. Um, and certainly, you know, coming to CBs and seeing, you know, like there's a couple of extremely successful teams, like, the, you know, the business itself is very successful. But, you know, you certainly, you, you see some new styles of working from some of the, maybe the younger operators or operators in different areas that you wouldn't have otherwise had exposure to. And the one continual theme I see is, um, is those one percenters. So it's that piece of after you've, after you've made a phone call, do you follow it up with an email and say, thanks very much? And then you put a note in your diary to call that person in two weeks' time and you do the same thing. And for the first six months, you probably get nothing back from that and it feels like, it feels like you've just wasted a lot of time. But then eventually, you know, and, and it happens with me as well. I know from the flip side, right, when people are selling to me, I really value somebody that continually kind of keeps chasing me up, is systematic with what they do. They come back to me and eventually we build rapport and eventually they buy, you know, I sell, I buy something from them. So I feel like that those little one percenters make a massive difference and they're the easiest things to drop. I think that's what most agents do. They just drop the one percenters and they just give up on it. And that's what's most important. When nothing's happening, keep doing the one percenters because it'll eventually pay off. Great advice. What about leadership? What do you think is an attribute that makes a great leader? I suppose you want to have a leader that's in your corner. 
so there's, there's a number of different aspects and, the, and there's multiple different leadership styles I've come across. Like I said, my leadership style is not so much domineering. It's probably more coaching and working with people. You know, and saying that there's no doubt that it's nice when you're young to have a leader that just takes control and does it. The challenge with that is probably that you don't learn as much yourself because you're not heavily involved um, in those interactions and those decisions and it kind of comes out of your hands. But yeah, I, th- I think um, I think leading from the front is an important thing. So like I said, you know, that whole piece about you know, if you're going to battle, make sure you're at the front. So if there's, you know, if, you, if you're pitching on something, make sure you're front and center on it. Even if you're not getting it, make sure you're front, and, you know, even if, even if you're not directly going to be benefiting from it, it's for the team. So make sure you're out there. I think loyalty is a crucial element as well. So I think employees want to know that, you know, that they've got, you know, you've got their back, that you're going to be loyal to them, you know what I mean? And you're going to stand up for them when the chips are down and that you're going to be fighting in their corner. And then I think do what you say you're going to do, right? Like I think there's a lot of people that, Talk a big game, but don't actually do it. So I think the key is, if you say you're going to do it, just do it. Get on and get it done. And then, and, and probably that, that flows into this whole piece as well. Of And it's all intertwined into one, right? But I do remember bosses in the, in the early parts of my career where they'd tell me what to do, but they wouldn't do it themselves. And I always really question, right, well, how effective is that? And if you've never deployed that tactic and you've read it in the book, but you're not utilizing, it isn't actually effective. And you know what I mean? So there's that whole, there's that whole it, you know, it doesn't match up. That's where I think do what you say you're going to do and, um, you know, and this leading from the front, they're all intertwined together. Definitely. Final question, because we're just about out of time. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who's at the start of their commercial real estate career, what would that advice be? I'd probably say, you know, if I look back at my career and where I've, you know, the different areas I've been in, it's probably, it's quite good to work out relatively early on in your career where you want to go, what you want to do. So I, I'd probably suggest that you want to, you want to try different areas. You don't want to pigeon self, pigeonhole yourself in one particular area because, you know, I probably never thought I'd ever end up in office leasing. But now that I'm in office leasing, I kind of think, geez, I wish I had tackled this earlier on in my career. Now, has it impacted me? Um, yes and no. You know, I feel like my relationships would have been longer standing had I gotten into it earlier, et cetera. But, um, but then the flip side to that is, right, I, you know, I, I think that um, if I had tried other areas, maybe I would have gone into those as well. So I just think trying the different spaces as much as you can is, is probably a good thing. And I think, you know, there's a number of businesses that have that graduate program. I think that's a great thing if you can get involved in that. And then there's that piece of kind of getting to know your fellow colleagues in the office. So say, for instance, you get an opportunity in um, industrial or um, commercial leasing or sales, or whatever it might be. You know, just make sure that you are broadening your relationship deeper than just your own particular sector. Just to make sure that, you know, if an opportunity arises, and especially when you're young, you know, you, you get that presented to you because you just never know which direction you might end up going in and where you might end up in life. Ashley, you've been extremely generous with sharing your perspective. I'm sure that the leadership of CBRE's leasing team here in Melbourne is going to go in a great direction uh, with you at the helm. Thanks so much for joining us on CRE Success, the podcast. My pleasure, mate. Thank you. For more information about our guest, visit cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. Thank you once again to Ashley for spending time with us. Ash was actually one of the first people to commit to being a guest on the show. So I'm very grateful for his support. Now, back on episode two, I invited you to submit any questions that you would like answered on the podcast. And this week, I'd like to share a question I received from Imran. The question is about how to develop a better understanding of other service offerings outside of your own area of expertise. In particular, Imran would like to know how does one get the basic knowledge and skills from other business lines which are necessary to have a more holistic conversation with clients. 
Well, I think today's interview covered that in part. It's about taking an interest in what's going on in other business lines and forming new relationships with people outside of your own department. That will help you not only understand the business and the industry at a higher level, enabling you to serve your clients better, but it will also uncover collaboration opportunities which can lead to stronger personal results. I do think though that the responsibility for doing this also rests on companies and their leaders. They need to provide more collaboration and networking opportunities to facilitate the cross-pollination of ideas and knowledge. Now, I've got a blog post about this particular topic on the resources page of my website if you'd like to explore it further. Go to cresuccess.co forward slash resources and look for the blog post from the 5th of April 2020 called Creating One Culture of Collaboration in CRE Firms. In that post, I share what I think are the three most important levers to boost collaboration. They are leadership, communication, and compensation structures. If you've got a question that you'd like covered on our podcast, you can email it to me. The address is darren at cresuccess.co. That's all we've got time for on this episode. Thank you very much for listening and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. I recently visited one of Hub Australia's beautiful workspaces in Melbourne. Hub is Australia's homegrown premium flexible workspace operator with over 3,000 members across Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide. They offer great membership benefits like in-house cafes, exercise studios and stylish end-of-trip facilities, as well as workspace solutions for businesses of all sizes, from freelancers to large corporate teams who have made the upgrade to flexible workspaces. If you want to learn more about Hub Australia, visit Hub Australia. Australia.com.